We're recording. In LA, almost all of us who can stay home are Some are, are quarantined. Six feet matters. Welcome to Cornstream. I'm your host, Bob Christian, and I am in Los Angeles. Today, I'm here with, would you like to introduce, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, this is Amber, and I'm in Claremont, California. All right, and Claremont, California, for those of you not familiar with uh, Southern California, is basically East Los Angeles. Are you in Los Angeles County still, or, or are, you, are you in San Bernardino? I am the last city in Los Angeles County. Quarantine is a show about the top five things to watch during quarantine or shelter at home. Each episode, I ask someone whose opinion and taste I appreciate to send us their top five things to watch and binge, and then we talk about it for a little bit. So, Amber, first off, what makes a good binge show for you right now? Right now, it needs to be mindless and some type of escape. You know, that's pretty much a perfect summation of what I saw when I made your list, except as it got closer to number one, the suggestions got deeper. I definitely saw some connection between uh, you and your husband's love for the Democratic Party shining through, especially towards the end. I mean, you know, we just kind of get back to better times at this point. So I think that's why you kind of see us start to go down the rabbit hole. I didn't even I don't think I put Hillary on my list, but that was one that we binged right off the bat. And that was something that kind of I don't know if it made us more angry of the times that we're in or it kind of took us back to like the hope that maybe we're going to get out of this. All right, so before we get into your list, today we are approximately 14 days into quarantine, depending on when you started. Can you tell us who you're locked in with? I am locked in with my husband, Rob, and our two dogs. So did you start on uh, the declaration of shelter at home, or had you already been staying at home for a while before that was declared in California? I had already been staying at home. I want to say today is either day 23 or 24 for me. So what was the first day or the first couple of days like in quarantine for you? A lot of anxiety. I I have an autoimmune disease, so I had already started to get very anxious about it weeks before. Um, and then about like a week, week and a half before they mandated it in the state, I had already started staying home and avoiding all public places and people. So what does that mean exactly? Does that mean you haven't walked out your front door or that you were just very cautious when you go outside? I have walked out of my front door and I have gotten in my car. My mom lives close by and she's a senior and she has health conditions. So I've driven to her house to leave her food, but I still haven't had any contact with her either. Oh, so how close have you been to your mom since this started? Uh, I mean, like six feet or so pretty much. Um, Just like bringing food to our house and just keeping our distance. But that's been it. So that's the only person I've seen outside of my house. So since the beginning, how have things changed? What's your daily life like now? What's different, I think, is just like, I mean, my daily life is I've always worked from home. So nothing's changed there. Um, Nothing's changed from a work perspective. I'm not having to travel for work, which is good right now that they're not mandating that. I don't think they actually can. The only other thing that's changed is obviously seeing friends, seeing family, running errands. I haven't even, you know, been to a grocery store or Target or anything like that. So I relied on my husband to go to the grocery store and he's been going about once a week. I really don't like him going that often, but it's kind of hard to fit that much in your refrigerator and it's hard to find stuff. But I mean, really, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that's changed for me is just, you know, going to the store and running errands. I haven't done any of that and been able to do any of that. How scared are you of the infection itself? 
I'm terrified. I mean, like I was saying, I have a autoimmune disease, which causes me to be immunosuppressed. So I have to take a medication that basically lowers my immune system. So ever since I started that medication about four years ago, I became very much of a heightened germaphobe. When I've traveled, I've worn face masks since then for over four years when I travel. I've always wiped everything down when I travel. I'm constantly using hand sanitizer all the time. So for me, it's almost heightened that even more because now everybody's doing that. So I feel like I need to do that times 10, which I don't. But when you see everybody else now around you doing that, it kind of puts you in a different headspace. Oh, you know what? I completely agree with that. I agree. <laughs> As I've watched more people respond to this, it's something that I didn't take seriously at all. I now walk outside and I'm like, I don't know, should I even be outside right now? Right. It could just be in the air around me. Right, right. Where, you know, when I've had him go to the grocery store, I'm like, okay, well, I need you to wear gloves and I need you to wear a mask. And when you get home, I need you to take your clothes off and shower and like put the groceries in the garage and then I'm going to bring them in and I'm going to wipe them down. And there's like a whole OCD component to it. I already like have OCD tendencies. So this is like probably heightened it to a whole nother level. But I've been happy that he's abided with that for me just because it helps with my anxiety with all of it. By him doing this, it helps me not to be as anxious because I feel like I'm combating some of it. But I know that it's a lot on him to like do all of these crazy things that I'm asking him to do, but I'm just so nervous about it. I don't know what to do. I don't know if it's OCD as much as it's a justified fear, right? You need right. to keep everything clean. You need to keep the germ out. And I was talking with this with a, another guest about the, the idea that this is an invisible fear. It right. should be something that we avoid, but we cannot possibly see what it is. We're just expected to believe it's all around us all the time. Right. So how do you clean off your packages when your husband brings them inside? Well, if we get any kind of shipment, I've like kept it in the garage for like a couple of days just because I mean, I've avoided like all news outlets and reading any more articles. But when I have seen all these articles that it can live on paper or cardboard for like 24 hours to 72. So I like keep all of our packages in the garage unless there's like something immediately that we need. And if there is, then all of the packages, like we pick them up with like disposable gloves and we open them and then we throw away the gloves and we like take whatever's in it. And if it's something that is not porous, like, you know, if it's glass or something, we'll wipe it down with like a Clorox wipe or we'll spray it with Lysol. But if it's like, you know, food, you can't do that. If it's like some type of food that you can wash, then I'm washing it. Like if it's an orange or an apple, then I'm putting it in a little bit of soapy water and washing it for 20 seconds and calling it a day. Um, but that's kind of, you know, the only food that really wouldn't be protected. Most food that you buy is in plastic and it is what it is. I mean, there's really nothing else we can do at this point. You cook it and you hope that you kill anything that's on it. <laughs> <laughs> so how is your stockpile of disposable gloves, masks, and hand sanitizer that you've been building up apparently for years uh, holding up? Well, I luckily had like a pack of gloves and some hand sanitizer, but ever since this broke out, I haven't been able to get anything else. Um, I have like one face mask that's like the N95 and that was from when we moved in and we were doing construction projects. So I'm saving that like I know that I have to go to the doctor soon for my check-in, so I'll probably wear that when I have to go to the hospital and, you know, hope that that's something that's substantial. But yeah, what we have is what I've just had from leftover travel, but we're getting to the point where I only have like a handful left. So I don't know what we're going to do after that. 
Sounds like you're going to be just locked in one room and Rob's uh, going to be running much. around the house naked. Yeah. <laughs> Has your doctor reached out to you to, to check in on you or to make you alert of the situation? No, it's just my usual like six month checkup. But from what I'm reading, I'm assuming that a lot of doctors are going to just let you push it out unless it's something that's, you know, absolutely necessary. It seems like doctors are pushing out appointments. So that's what I'll probably do. Well, I can't wait to get into your list. It sounds like of all the people I've talked to, you are the most ver well-versed at being at home with nothing to do. Yes. In addition to streaming, what's been keeping you busy? My plants. I have a lot of house plants that keep me busy that I love. I love just gardening as well. So I've been putting in a lot. I actually planted a lot of plants outside about a month ago, and I still had more to plant. So the past few weekends, I've been doing that. I am going to have some things shipped to me. I found that a local hardware store will like bring and ship plants for garden. So I'm going to be planting a garden this weekend. So I've been trying to spend as much time outside um, and getting fresher when I can to kind of take my mind to another place. Well, I can't wait to come walk through your Garden of Eden that you're going to build when you run out of Hopefully masks I'll and have, all you have to um, do you know, is food that I can live off of at some point since Lord knows how where this, this is going to go. <laughs> All right. Between gardening, you are watching a lot of television. Let's get into your list now. Before okay. we get started, is there anything that you want to substitute uh, on your list? No, let's leave them as is. Okay, great. All right, everybody. This is Amber from Claremont's top five things to watch during the quarantine. Starting in with number five. A brand new show to me, The Shaws of Sunset, available to stream on Bravo and Hulu. It premiered in 2012 and it is currently running its eighth season. It's produced by Ryan Seacrest Productions. This is only the second major reality television show to focus on an Iranian lifestyle. Uh, so, Amber, uh, give us a little update about what the show is. Shaws of Sunset follows a group of friends that are ranging in their 30s to probably late 40s, and they've known each other for probably 15 to 20 years and they live in Los Angeles. They've grown up in Los Angeles. A lot of them, uh, their parents are from Iran um, and they migrated here. A few of them had actually um, been born in Iran and it just kind of follows like the lifestyle of these people and kind of going from being young and wild and free to now being married or having children. And it's just a really dumb, mindless reality TV show that has been Nice to watch, especially during what's going on now. And also having moved outside of Los Angeles, it like shows me a lot of the places that I used to go to or restaurants. So it was kind of fun to kind of reminisce of fun places to go in LA. Now, is this a pre or post pandemic watch for you? Were you watching it from the beginning or is this something you just found out? I've been watching from the beginning. Okay. So why did you originally click this show? I am Bravo obsessed. So I pretty much have watched every show on Bravo. And this was one that really kind of stuck for me. This and Vanderpump Rules, and a few of the Housewives shows I've watched since the beginning. So this is one of them, and I don't know why. I just, like, got caught up in it. Is there anything that makes this stand out from the other ones? I mean, there's a lot of Bravo shows, like you said, that are surround different lifestyles, different families. What about this show beyond, I don't know, even the Kardashians? Why is this the thing you're streaming right now? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe just seeing that 
now they're older and just kind of seeing like where their life has been it feels like you kind of just like follow their life which maybe has been the same thing with the kardashians or whatever i don't like the kardashians <laughs> these people seem a little bit more real they have a little bit more i don't know integrity behind them i guess you could say and there's a little bit more depth you would think you wouldn't think because of reality stars but there seems like there's a little bit more there compared to somebody like the kardashians or i don't know Interesting. I didn't know you hated the Kardashians quite so much. We're finding out so much about you. <laughs> All right. So number four is Love is Blind, which is available to stream on Netflix. It premiered February 2020. It is one season right now, 11, se 11 episodes in total, spread out over three weeks. It was produced by Kinetic Content, which is also the team behind Married at First Sight, Spouse House. It was actually renewed for a second and third season at the same time. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It's got two more seasons coming out. So, Amber, tell us a little bit about what Love is Blind is. Love is Blind is a show with various people from throughout the country, but I believe predominantly Atlanta. And they are all looking to find a soulmate and they go for this experiment and they are basically dating behind a wall. So you have these people that meet each other in pods and they have like these dates. And in the end, they're expected to get engaged and then they have 30 days to actually go through with the engagement and get married. Up until the engagement, I think it's maybe like a two week period that these people get to know each other and then they're, they get engaged after like the seven to 14 days. And this was a show that we actually just like stumbled upon like right before this all happened. Um, and it really seems appropriate with what's going on with people being quarantined at home. It's basically what happened to these people they were quarantined together and they just like went head over heels for people that they had never even laid their eyes on and got engaged so all of the craziness that you would think would happen from this definitely happens and it kind of makes you think like i'm not as crazy as i think i am when you see what these people like actually commit to <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting i hadn't thought about this was a pandemic type dating show before the pandemic was even a thing did you have a couple or a favorite person that you really wanted to see match up? I didn't really have a favorite couple, but I love the train wreck that is Jessica and she is just a hot mess. So it was fun to kind of follow her as she just tried to destroy every couple around her. Ooh, tell me more about Jessica. So what is her deal and why is she such a mess? Jessica, I want to say is like 34, 35 and she ends up falling for one guy named Barrett, but I mean, this is a total spoiler. If people haven't watched this, he ends oh, up then leading don't, her then on. Don't share it. Don't share it. Okay. Don't share it. Don't share it. Okay. We don't want to give any spoilers alert because if there's anything that we all need right now, it's something to watch. And I don't want to ruin this for people. This Just keep an eye out for Jessica. She's a uh, quote unquote train wreck. I love the fact that this has the aspect of being separated from the person and still dating them. That's so interesting. I don't know how I didn't even consider that when I was uh, reading up on it. There's a bunch of dating shows out there. Why Love is Blind? Is this just the most recent? Or are you just a dating show snob and this is the only one you'll ever watch? I don't actually really watch dating shows anymore outside of 90 Day Fiance. And I don't know if we would classify that as dating, but I guess so. Um, and that's a whole nother train wreck. But this one just kind of was something that we saw when we were clicking through Netflix and yeah. But I think in the time of the pandemic, it's like the perfect watch, especially for people who are single. So number three is an, a much older show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, available to stream on HBO and Amazon Prime. 
It premiered in the year 2000. Ten seasons spread out between then and now. The last season was uh, released in January 2020. So it's a clean 100 episodes. It was created by SNL alum Larry David, who also created Seinfeld. It was developed out of a one-hour HBO special, Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Then it became the show it is today. So, Amber, give us a little uh, rundown of what this show is. Curb Your Enthusiasm is, I mean, basically where Larry David came up with Seinfeld. It's just really a show about nothing, but it's kind of just like following him along in his life, so to say, of how he scripts it. Um, And this last season was just him being in Los Angeles, which was really fun. And it was like the perfect laugh that you need this time through everything that we're going through. So it was like perfectly scripted and couldn't be more relevant with just like the different storylines that he had going on too. Did you start watching this years ago or is this a a brand new show for you? I started watching it years ago. I haven't watched it all the way through, but just on and off, but then watched this season all the way through. What made you click this season and watch it all the way through? Just because we had seen that, you know, they had just launched um, the new season like a couple of months ago and we love Larry David. We love Seinfeld. So we were like, oh, this is great. This is exactly what we need. We knew that it was going to give us the laughs that we needed. So you're just looking for humor anywhere you can get it. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Have you watched uh, the show Shit's Creek? Yes, we've watched that in its entirety. And then we've been watching those as the last episodes have been airing as well. How would you compare that show to this? They're both kind of loose. I know. Kirby Enthusiasm is known for being improv-based and Schitt's Creek is not quite as improv-based. So how would you compare the two shows? Yeah, I think that's perfectly put. I think with Schitt's Creek, I can watch it and I don't necessarily love every scene and every episode, right? But there's usually a few laughs out of it. But I think it's because I get that scripted feel from it, you know, because it is. As with, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, it feels so improv um, that that gets me laughing more. And just it's just so ridiculous of there's like really no storyline, but you could see how that could easily happen to you and how you could make a show out of your day. Um, and that's why I'd probably gravitate more towards that. But yeah, I think the biggest difference is you can see how there is like a script behind Schitt's Creek. It's still hilarious, but they're, you know, I don't know. Sometimes the laughs feel a little forced to me. I love this idea that you're sitting out in your backyard gardening for the fourth or fifth hour of the day, and you just imagine, I can make a show out of this. <laughs> well, it's probably, uh, you know, whatever conversation I had with my husband or my dogs, I guess you throw that in there. But yeah, it probably couldn't be as good as uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. But, you know, if I push a few days together, maybe. I don't know. Having conversations <laughs> with your dogs might be very much like Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> All right. Number two is uh, completely different from the rest. It's a documentary, Crip Camp. It's available on Netflix. It came out in 2020. I believe this is a post-pandemic release. It was a Sundance Audience Award winner this year. It was produced by the Obama's Higher Ground Production Company. Uh, It was born, actually, from a lunch conversation between two of the producers on one of their experiences at this summer camp. So, Amber, give us a brief synopsis of this documentary. So, this documentary really follows a group of disabled individuals that really kind of embarked on going after getting rights for those within the disabled community in the 60s. It's kind of, it follows them from their camp in the 60s. And then up until, gosh, I feel like it was like maybe 2000 or so, maybe 1995 when they finally get this bill passed. I think it was like 1995. But anywho, it's definitely not necessarily a humorous documentary by any means. There are some funny parts to it, but it is obviously more serious and there are some tear jerk moments in there. Um, but it really kind of gives you 
a feeling of, you know, being thankful for your life and just, you know, all of the things that you've been given, seeing how there are so many individuals out there that have, you know, been pushed aside or have had it much harder than you have. Um, and especially with, you know, the pandemic going on and people feeling like, woe is me and how are we going to get through this? You kind of have a moment to kind of look at people who have struggled and see how they've never given up. And I don't know, it was kind of in that way, kind of almost a feel good moment. I guess in that way, this conversation would be a feel good moment for me because I'm realizing how much you're struggling going through this pandemic and I don't have those. So thank you for being my personal Crip King. Oh, thanks, Bob. <laughs> so what made you click on this ep on this uh, documentary? We had seen that that was going to be coming out for like a couple of weeks. And I don't know where my husband had read about it. And then, you know, he passed the article on to me. So we couldn't wait for it to come out. And as soon as it was able to stream, we watched it. I had no idea that that had even happened. And it's something that, you know, those of us who aren't disabled, like completely take for granted. And to see that these people like had no rights or anything to protect them. It was just like really eye-opening. What's interesting about that is that appears to be exactly how the lunch conversation went with the two producers. Uh, the one said, oh yeah, I've always wanted to kind of make a movie about my summer camp and went into his experience at the summer camp. And the other producer said essentially exactly what you said. Uh, what? I had no idea that was an, an issue. So it's really interesting that it seems like they captured their lunch conversation almost perfectly in a long form documentary. Just a complete turn from the rest of your your shows. So it's interesting that you've been wanting to watch this for a while when it came out. Yeah, again, it was kind of just wanting to being back to thinking about things to be thankful for and like trying to have that perception with everything that's going on is like kind of you know, taking your perception and like refocusing it on, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for. And like, look at all of these other things that people have gone through and gone through. So it was kind of one of those things. You know, I couldn't watch a documentary like that every day, because <laughs> I need a little <laughs> bit of mindless TV like Shaw's a Sunset, but it is something nice to kind of throw into like, the mix, I think, you know, to kind of refocus and re-energize and kind of give you things to be thankful for. I think your number one pick is the perfect combination of Crip Camp and Shaw's the Sunset. <laughs> Tiger King, which is available to stream on Netflix, is bonkers. It was released in 2020. It's a seven-part docuseries. It is a pandemic release. It is, has an IMDb rating of 7 out of 10 from a former employee who said this is pretty much what his experience was like. Uh, an interesting side note, the director of the 2016 film The Life Exotic or The Incredible True Story of Joe however you say this guy's last name, is the composer for this documentary series. Uh, the original documentary about Joe Exotic or the Life Exotic film only cost $1,500. And so it's interesting to see they brought him on board as the composer for this series. Amber, if you can, one or two sentences summation of what Tiger King is. It's just completely unbelievable. I mean, and I, there are things I want to say, but I don't want to offend people. But really and truly, these are like the people who voted for Trump. And <laughs> it's just like, it's just so out there. I mean, it was unbelievable. And like every moment that you thought it couldn't possibly get crazier than that, it did. So I've watched one, one episode of it. I'm just curious. The three main characters are Joe Exotic. There's another zookeeper in somewhere in Carolina. And then there's the woman who is part of the rescue down in Florida. Do you think they all voted for Trump? Do you think Joe Exotic voted for Trump? I'm just curious what your perception of these people is that they're Trumpsters. 
I believe they probably all did vote for Trump, but then in one of the later episodes, Joe Exotic is going after Trump, so I'm not really sure what's happening. But I think it's just the I don't care about anybody else attitude, and I just love if you can be outlandish as possible and say whatever the heck you want to say, and I don't care if you offend anybody. That's what kind of feels so like pro-Trump to me. And you see more and more characters brought in with each episode where you're just like, oh, my God. And when he eventually like runs for governor and president at the same time as like Trump, it's like really crazy. Oh, I haven't gotten that far yet. I'm super excited. I'm really glad this finally made somebody's list since its release about a week ago. Everyone's been talking about it, but I think you're the first person that made it through. How long did it take you to watch all these episodes? I think it was like three nights, just like back to back, knocked them all out. I think there's maybe like eight episodes or so. It took you three nights. I was really expecting the one night, just one day, just sitting down, just eating them all up. Really wanted to. But again, it's like trying to give myself something to look forward to. So this was like something to look forward to. So like try to stretch it out for a few nights. All right. So... Why is this on your list? Is it the best thing you've seen lately? Is it something that everyone should watch during the pandemic? What exactly makes this the perfect number one thing to stream during our quarantine? I think it's definitely something that everyone should watch. I've gotten all of my coworkers to watch it. So in the past week, I've gotten 15 people to watch it. And they're all saying the exact same thing. I think it's, you know, for those of us in like, you know, that are like the true, we are millennials, you know, that age group that grew up watching like, you know, Jerry Springer here and there with their friends late at night on like a weekend at a sleepover. This is Jerry Springer times like a hundred. And it's just like, just so ridiculous and funny and mindless that I think it's kind of something that can take everybody's mind away from what's going on. And you'll see yourself really just go down the crazy rabbit hole with these people. And everybody I've talked to has felt the exact same way. Last question. If you were in town, would you go to Joe Exotic's zoo? No. I couldn't believe how many people took their children there. You could just see that it was like they picked up these people off the side of the road, literally, to run the zoo. I would be terrified to go to a place like that. I think I would get eaten by a tiger for sure, or my child would. I don't know how these people go to this, go to these places. It's just crazy. All right. So let me recap your list from number five to number one, Amber. Number five, The Shaws of Sunset. Four, Love is Blind. Three, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Two, Far Right Turn, Crip Camp. Number one is Tiger King. Those are the top five things Amber from Claremont recommends to watch right now during this quarantine. Now, thank you so much for sending us your list. As a thank you, I would like to give you two suggestions that I think you might like. The first is Queen of Versailles. Have you ever seen that documentary? I have not. Oh, yes, I have in Florida, right? Yes. Oh, man. I was really hoping. Well, there's a sequel. The director of that... For those of you who don't know, the Queen of Versailles follows the lives of billionaires as they try and build America's biggest house during the 2008 housing crisis. Uh, this all takes place in Florida, so it's delightful. There's a second documentary by the same woman who made that called Generation Wealth, which is interesting, but not as bonkers. It's more about her life uh, living around rich people. My second suggestion I hope you have seen, and I hope will just fill you with glee to go back and watch, which is Newlyweds with Nick and Jessica, starring Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson. Were you a fan of that show? Uh, yes, my friend. I have the DVDs. I've just been trying to figure out perfect. how I can watch them since I don't have a DVD player. Oh, perfect. Well, I highly suggest you go back and watch those. 
Uh, I think they will be the mindless distraction you're looking for and also remind you of warmer times when you could go out your front door without wearing a face mask and gloves. Amber, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your top five list with us. Thank you. Stay well and stay sane. Cornstream was produced by me, Bobby Christian. Special thanks to Amber. If you would like to get in touch with me to share your story or your list from quarantine, you can reach out to me at Civil Matador on Instagram, and I will talk to you soon.